are listening to Impact Hustlers, and I am your host, Michael Schaffrath. I have made it my mission to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs to solve some of the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And for this reason, I am speaking to some of the best entrepreneurs out there who are solving problems such as food waste, climate change, poverty, and homelessness. My goal is that Impact Hustlers will inspire you either by starting an impact business yourself, by joining the team of one, or by taking a small step, whatever that may be, towards being part of the solution to the world's biggest problems. Speaking to Vanessa for today's episode was truly inspiring. She dropped some valuable insights into the hair care industry, showing how it is struggling to adapt to the demands of natural hair care products for afro and curly hair. She talks about how growing up in Finland as the only black girl in a radius of many, many miles later inspired her to actually start this company. Vanessa challenges the beauty ideal of straight hair, which has led to high use of toxic chemicals being used by black women to straighten their hair. She shares how she founded The Wild Curl with her fiancé in her kitchen and only moved to a professional facility once she couldn't keep up with demand anymore. She talks also about how there's never a perfect time to start a business and encourages impact-driven entrepreneurs to make the leap and launch their business ideas. If you're keen to learn more, check out their website in the show notes and The Wild Curl is also currently crowdfunding. So check out the link in the show notes if you want to contribute to that. Enjoy the episode. In today's episode, I speak to Vanessa Martins-Lopez, founder and CEO of The Wild Curl. The Wild Curl develops hair care products for curly hair with all natural ingredients and without relying on things like animal testing and any other cruelty. Vanessa grew up in Finland and not having the right hair care products available to take care of her curly hair has been really part of almost her whole life journey. And on the Wild Curl website, Vanessa quotes the American writer Phoebe Robinson, which I think perfectly describes the type of problem you're trying to solve. And I'm going to quote that right now. Quote, we black girls are conditioned from a young age to treat our natural hair as a problem that needs to be remedied, that we need to have that good hair, meaning hair that in its natural state is not difficult to come through. So I'm really keen to understand how you are solving this problem with the wild curl and how your entrepreneurial journey has been over the last few years. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Vanessa. Yeah, thank you for having me, Michael. Thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that is very personal for me. As you can see, I have very curly hair. And like you mentioned, I did grow up in Finland. And my mom is Finnish and my dad is from Guinea-Bissau. So I have this uh, mixture, fluffy, but still Afro hair. And uh, while growing up in Finland, I couldn't find any good products for my hair. And it was very difficult to care for my hair. And uh, I did also travel after that for studies. I went to Spain and eventually I ended up in London. And uh, I realized that there is it's not just me that has this problem that there is no product offering for us. And I feel like also it's the society that is pushing this straight hair is the good hair, what P.V. Robinson said. That's the hair that we are trying to go 
and and get and that's the ideal goal uh, when you want to feel beautiful and confident about yourself is the straight hair instead of the natural curly hair so i've seen that a lot in social media and also like society pushing that i um beauty standard and that's something that at the wildcare uh, we're trying to fight against we want everyone to feel confident and beautiful about their hair and able to express themselves as they want and have the right products to take care of their curls because curly hair is actually quite different also the straight hair the structure is very different it is more dry by nature and the, the curls are very tightly coiled which sometimes is difficult to manage because it gets very tangled and the products that usually these big companies are doing they are based on the structure of straight hair it just doesn't work the same for curly hair that it works for straight hair so that's something that we are really going after at the wildcare to make sure that the products are designed for curly hair they work well for curly hair and and makes you feel beautiful and good about your hair yeah amazing that- Amazing. That's really good to hear. I think obviously anybody seeing me on video and knowing who I am, obviously I'm naturally more on the ignorant side towards this topic being a white male. But actually at few at a few different parts of my life I got exposed uh, to this issue. I think the first time when I went to South Africa for one and a half years after high school mm-hmm. and some of the stuff you mentioned around setting the beauty standards uh, especially also for black and mixed race people in South Africa is very much straightened hair so the yeah. amount of chemicals that people were using to straighten their hair and match that was really astonishing to me mm-hmm. not not that straight hair is wrong as well but it seemed like really it was like this bigger thing that people like had to comply with this type of standard this type yeah. of beauty standard and especially learning about how like the deeply ingrained racism around hair in the country as well in uh, South Africa and the apartheid regime for example they tested whether you were a black considered to be black and obviously yeah. have less rights according to them with the yeah. pen test i don't know if you heard of that where mm. you would put a pencil or a pen inside your hair and if it drops out you're fine if it doesn't yeah. it does so this is like hair is like at the center of racism suddenly right where it, it, it shouldn't is. be obviously yeah, yeah yeah it is and whilst we are trying to fit into the society and put have this straight hair meanwhile we're doing it like you said we add a lot of chemicals we straighten with the iron like i remember when i was young and i tried to straighten my hair and i have very curly hair so usually the irons that they sell they're quite small so it didn't do the job as fast as i wanted to do so instead of straightening it in three hours i used the iron to straighten clothes just to have a bit bigger surface And I was trading my hair with the iron that you use for the clothes. And of course, I did burn myself. So I still have a burn mark on my shoulder. This is the life that we've been going through, just trying to fit in. And I feel like people now are changing the way they are thinking. We don't want anymore to do this and damage our hair. We we want the brands to cater for us, to see us as part of the community. And I feel like big brands 
are not doing this. They've been years neglecting girly hair and they've been over overlooking all aspects of girly hair. And that's when I realized that, okay, if the big brands are not doing this, I have to take the matter on my own hands. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own company. Wow. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Let's think about that time point when you decided that. I think you didn't necessarily have the background in hair products or things like that, but you were, I think, at the time in, in marketing and had that background as well. Tell us more about the moment when you decided to start this company and how did you go about it? Obviously, going into a new industry, pulling a business off and getting the right knowledge to make sure you can actually pull this off. Yeah, so it was a moment that I just moved to London. Previously in Finland, I studied engineering and then I moved to Spain where I studied neuroscience. So I totally swapped my careers. And after the neuroscience, I just graduated. My fiancé got a job offer from London. So we decided both, okay, let's move to London and let's see what London has to offer. So I was in that sweet spot of just graduated and seeing um, what kind of uh, direction I want to take with my life. And I think that was the moment that my fiancé actually suggested, because I've been long talking about this problem. My fiancé suggested that, okay, why don't you build a company around this? I will help you and let's do it together. I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, like, why not? Let's just give it a go. And of course, when you're living in London, you have a rent to pay. So it's not just you're dropping all. You're always also working in other things. So we were both working in marketing. My fiancé was working at Treatwell. And I was working at Farfetch in the past few years in the marketing team. So we are both engineers. He's also an engineer and we have a good experience in marketing. So that kind of helped us mm, mm. to build the brand and start marketing, putting ads on social, Facebook, Google. And also with the engineering background, we are quite uh, handy what comes to processing data, leveraging data, and also we know a bit of coding. So putting up a website, making it nice and pretty, and make sure all the credit card payments, all these are well done. I think we had a good spot there. But obviously, like you said, changing directly from one industry to another, because now we are in a kind of cosmetic industry, right? So the first products we did was in, in the basement flat at our kitchen in London. I feel like this is a story of so many founders out there. And it's just a way you have to start from. You have to start from scratch. You have to try whether the initial traction is there. And you just have to go for it. And that's what we did. So the first products were done at our kitchen. We were mixing some hair oils. So they were carrier oils and essential oils. I was doing the research myself, checking what kind of hair oils works well for which type of hair, because there is also different type of curly hair. So I have very big fluffy hair, but there are a lot of people that have more wavy hair instead of very Afro hair. And these people are also equally neglected by the hair care industry. Mm. And that's also actually majority of our customers at the moment. 
so yeah, I was doing uh, research what hair oil fits for what kind of hair type because they're all different. And that's how we started. And our customers absolutely love it. We got so much good feedback. It was amazing. And I felt so good that I've changed someone's life. Someone's life is so much easier. They feel so much better with their hair and more confident and beautiful. And that just let me drive through and push through the uh, past two years. And from that, we were started to scale our company. And we are no longer doing this in our kitchen. So we have a manufacturing in Spain. All our products are developed, designed in the laboratory. They're manufactured there or with natural ingredients. And we have a logistics center in UK. So when a customer makes an order, everything goes directly to the customer's doorstep, even in the next day delivery. So this is something that we are very proud to see the last two years ago. And yeah, it's been a very fast forward two years. I I really think so, yeah. Yeah. Did you self-fund the business initially or did you get any investment or any sort of other funding uh, for the company or just bootstrap it from the beginning? How did you go about it? Yeah, at the beginning, we did bootstrap both founders together we put around 50,000 pounds not from the uh, beginning but as you go you start putting more money in so in total around 50,000 and actually now we've seen a good initial traction and we want to already take this to the next level because we want to make more products we want to accelerate our growth it's just uh, us too so we are looking to also expand our team So we are actually at the moment crowdfunding. So that's Mm -hmm. very exciting news, I would say. Mm. Um, We are looking to raise around 60,000 pounds to 120,000 pounds. We're doing this through Crowdcube. I don't know if you're familiar Mm. with that. It's a crowdfunding platform. Yeah. And uh, we chose to do crowdfunding because we believe that Also, not just big investors, but also family, friends and our customers can take part and invest in us because that way they also, they're part in the bigger picture, right? They can invest in their own curly future. So now they have a voice that they can use. And that's something that we want to also share with our customers. And the initial investment starts from £10. So that's also nice that all our customers have this opportunity to invest. Whether it's £10, whether it's £50 or £100, you can take part in. And if you want to invest in us, you can go to our website, thewildgirl.com, and you just go to the crowdfunding tab and pledge your uh, investment. And then you will be part of the Wildgirl. Yes. Great. Yeah, please do that and uh, check it out and check out the website anyways. I think especially if you if you can resonate with the problem that we've just spoken about with products not being available. What do you think is the reason why big companies and the big players in hair care are not embracing this enough? And did you see a change in recent times that slowly they're starting to adapt? Or is it still that you're pretty much alone with a bunch of other startups trying to pull this off? Yes, I think as you mentioned before, that it might be due to historical reasons that wearing 
Afro hair, for example, in the US was looked as a political statement. And I think all comes from the history that the big companies were not catering for curly hair as straight hair in every aspect was what people were going for. But lately, I've seen big companies starting to pivot a bit towards more inclusive beauty and especially trying to have natural ingredients in their uh, hair care line. But still, even though they're pivoting, a lot of curly consumers feel a bit outraged or feel like they are left out because uh, we're already living in 2020 and we feel like it's too late. Like why you haven't been pivoting before and and still when you look at the big companies uh johnson and johnson henkel or these big laurel these big players they do have some curly companies but still very little and i think that is quite interesting when you really think about that 60 to 75 percent of the world of the women in the world has somewhat textured hair a wavy, curly, or kinky hair, but up to 70% of women in the world has textured hair. So it's a very big number when you think about it. Oh, completely overlooked segment. I can imagine a lot of people in those companies look more like me than like you, right? That's another issue. Or if you look at investors into startups, you have a similar issue as well, that it's Mm -hmm. often being overlooked if you have more diverse investors they are going to fund the solutions that they know are needed and that maybe traditionally people like myself are like, "Mm, I don't know, is this an issue? I don't know. That may be part of the problem. And I think that's what's slowly changing, but it seems like very slowly. (laughs) It is, especially now when we're doing the crowdfunding. Of course, part of this comes from investors that are a bit bigger, putting a bit bigger ticket. And uh, the more we talk, with investors or investment groups, we do realize that, wow, there is really not, first of all, a lot of women up there and not a lot of diversity up there. And those people are the ones that they're deciding also the decisions. And if they don't feel relatable to the issue, even though uh, 70% of women in the world have textured hair, it might be still hard to get through. But I hope we're going to get there. Got it. In, in terms of your journey as an entrepreneur, what obviously as an entrepreneur from a diverse background, mm-hmm. as well as creating products that are serving a market that has been underserved before and has been overlooked by others, what would your advice be for other founders that are starting out, that are solving maybe have a diverse background themselves, solving problems for neglected customer segments. What would your advice be? What's been your learning so far? Is there anything you can share with them? Definitely. So I would say it's never, ever a good time to start. It's always a bad time to start. And you can hold that back you. It can be your excuse, but it's always going to be like that. There is just... Yeah, there is just some point that you have to make a decision whether you want to be full in or you're not going to do it. And that's also what me and my fiancé did after running this company around two years. So we quit our job in May, this May 2020, 
dedicate full time on this business. And we've seen very great improvement after that. So I think it's just a decision you have to make by yourself. And uh, second, I would say that talk as much about your business as you can. Friends, family, I don't know, people in the bus or next to you, uh, your colleagues, because you never know who you will run into. Like now in these days, when you're, for example, when you're talking about people who might invest in your company, they don't walk anymore in, in a black suit or sit in a fancy restaurants like angel investors. They might be your colleagues, but you just don't know about it. And also there is a lot of advice coming from these people. So really take take the advice in and even there's advice that you want to follow and then there's advice that you don't want to follow but really consider the advice that you can get from any investors or from startup advisors. Actually, there is a lot of online platforms that you can seek for startup advisor if you don't have one. We, for example, we have uh, Ines Ures, who is the former CMO of Deliveroo. And uh, she's been our advisor, like all the way from the beginning, helping us. And now she's helping us a lot with this crowdfunding and fundraising in general. And I think it's very good advantage to have someone that has the experience that you as a founder may not have. So just take all the advice you can get. That's very valuable. And then obviously you may get a lot of conflicting advice and have to get your own path. But uh, make sure you collaborate with the right people. Really good. Thank you for sharing that. Did you, when you were approaching investors and angel investors, did you uh, still find that a lot of investors wouldn't understand what you're even doing or why you're doing it in terms of not understanding that there's actually a customer need? Or do you feel investors are slowly getting it that certain customer segments have been completely overlooked by big players and there's a gap that needs to be filled? Yeah, some investors, they do get it immediately, but some don't. It's, it's just from perspective and how you explain it, because all investors are also different. They have different questions. But I feel like maybe the biggest part that there's been misconception from many investors in, in our side is that this is not something that only affects Black people or African-American people or people that are mixed race or Afro hair. And that's something that if you don't also give the message clearly, they might get this idea. So what we want to do is we want to cater for all types of curly hair. And that's also can be also white woman or Caucasian, Asian woman, but there's a lot of people in the world that has different type of curly hair. So it's not just about black people or mixed race people. Mm. Also, if an investor thinks that, they also think that the market is smaller than what, what you're after. So I think, yeah, it depends on the investor and it's sometimes hard to explain it. But if you're clear enough and if they are interested about the product and they do ask questions and you will have the chance to explain yourself. So that's in the end, it will come up. Got it. Yeah. One question on the customers. So when you first launched, you invested quite a bit of money of your own money into into this and you started producing 
uh, products yourself. How did you gain initial traction for this from setting up the website to actually getting the first sale? And how did you go about that? Obviously, you had a bit of a marketing background, so I'm sure that yeah. helped. But how did you go about it? Yeah, so we are using this platform called Shopify. It's an e-commerce platform that you can build your own website, which is actually very great because you don't have to be a web developer. You don't need a front and back end developer to do this. And it's very easy. You just put the website up and you change the pictures, the descriptions. Uh, you have all the payment platform already in, inside it. And of course, like you said, we have a marketing background. So for us, it was quite straightforward to put the marketing. But even though if you wouldn't have the knowledge uh, now in these days, if you Google, you will find answers to everything. So I think in the end, it's just a matter of trying and your own willingness and uh, you will get there. But once you have the website, Facebook and Instagram account, put some ads and you will see if you have the initial traction for your product or if you don't have it. And good, luckily for us, there was a good traction. So that's why we decided to go forward with it. But yeah, that's how we started. Got it. And then you you basically gradually validated that there was a demand for this through the ads and then scaled bit by bit next to that. Were you running the production from your from your kitchen for quite a while or did you get so, such quick demand that you had to uh, switch to more professional production after yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. That's what it The demand grew so high. I remember it, it actually look like a narcos in our basement flat because we were mixing the the carry oils with essential oil the whole kitchen was our own setup for the for the laboratory and we were bottling a lot of oils and i was still working in another place so during my own lunchtime i had to go to the post office to send all the orders from yesterday and the more orders i had the less lunchtime I had. So there was a point I remember I didn't have time to eat my lunch on my other work because I was always in the queue in the post office. And I remember I told to Albert, to our other co-founder, that this is this is not viable option. I need to eat. <laughs> that we need to, first of all, we need to make the the oils somewhere in a laboratory that has a scale because if we want to grow this business it cannot be us doing it we need uh, a proper scale and secondly we cannot be us packing the products and it's not just about you doing the products but it's also about where are you spending your time so as a founder do you want to be mixing the products and packing and being in the queue in the post office or do you want to think already what would be the next product how can i get there how can i make a better marketing strategy how can we grow faster instead of uh, standing in the queue of the post office got it really interesting and what are your plans for the time after the crowdfund what do you envision where will the wild curl develop in the next few years yes so we want to make more products and we want to make sure that the products are very good 
for curly hair. As I said, that not one fit is not for all. And uh, so we're going to put a lot of the funds to product development. And first, we are going to look to launch new conditioner range. So we're going to launch three new conditioners next year. And after that, we have also more products in the product roadmap. So we are very excited to have more products on on the website. And of course, as it's just now two of us co-founders, we have some people also helping us, but still not employed by us. So we are looking to expand the team, obviously, and having a good team behind it and make us to the proper that we are a company. So we're not anymore like a small startup operating from someone's kitchen. So we want to grow properly and be a big company. Got it. Your co-founder is your fiance, is that right? Or is that? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Do you have any advice for similar setups, like people that start a company together with their partner on how to successfully do that? I can imagine it can be quite intense if you're spending starting a company and having a relationship and spending basically every minute together. Yes, it's actually quite funny sometimes but it can be intense but I feel like we have good characters because I'm Finnish so I'm more calm like cold practical person whereas my uh, fiance he's Spanish he's more impulsive let's do this let's go for it and I think we have a good balance in that but maybe as an advice I would say that when you work you work and try to keep it professional always sit down and talk if you have any issues and when you go home you just put a netflix on you relax have a glass of wine and just let the work be at the office and just relax and that's it just try to separate those two lives generally good advice i think even for solo founders or people that found companies together with others is to I think this image of the entrepreneur burning themselves into the ground, working 24-7 is not necessarily the one that will give you the most success anymore if that was ever the case. Obviously, in the early days, you need to put quite a lot of work in. You're never going to be 9 to 5, I can imagine, or I, I know from my own experience. But I think drawing the boundaries, taking care of your own mental health and uh, taking care yeah. That you stay sane, I think that's really important. Thanks for sharing that. Definitely. Yeah. My last question is around, I just asked you about the future a little bit, but I want to go one step further. Let's imagine really 10 years from now, you launched this company this year, you're crowdfunding right now, but in 10 years time, how does the world look like if the wild curl actually succeeds, if your plans succeed? I feel if the wild curl succeed. In 10 years from now, we have a place that every curly girl on the planet globally can go and they can find inspiration. They can find hair care tips and hacks and all the products they need directly delivered to their doorstep. So we are accessible for everyone. I feel like this is something that people out there they do need and this is something that we want to cater for them 
I wish you all the best on that mission and all the best for the crowdfund and the journey ahead. I know it's just the beginning, but it's amazing to hear how much you were able to pull off already in just a short amount of time. Thank you very much for joining me today. And thanks for making the time. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.